0: Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast is brought to you by Curtis, Wilbur Curtis, Curtis Coffee Brewers, they brew coffee. What do you think of Curtis, Cheryl's?
1: Oh, they're awesome, dude.
0: Are they a hot new thing?
1: They're the hot new thing. How hot are they? Super hot.
0: Hot like in hot fuego? fuego? dude. Like are they hotter than a hot sandwich?
1: Oh yeah, hot sandoz.
0: How hot is the hot sandwich? Super hot. How hot is the water out of the Curtis? Oh. Fire. 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 Or whatever you want it to be. You can program the crap out of that thing. You can use it straight up out of the box. You probably never programmed a brewer, huh, Charles? I have not. You don't even need to, do you? No. Coffee tastes great, doesn't it? It does. Am I leading the witness? Yes. Exactly. That's the whole idea. And Curtis will lead you to fun and delicious flavors that your whole family, staff, and customer base can enjoy. And that's why the Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast is brought to you by Curtis. It's hot. Dope. Dope. The number one thing about podcasting is that you don't
1: talk about, talk about podcasting.
0: If you're listening to this, don't share it with anyone. Don't tell anybody what we're doing. We're going to keep it to ourselves.
1: In fact, just forget about it after you hear forget
0: it. Forget about it. Who's the other guy that forgot about it? Uh, Sammy Jenkins.
1: Yeah. Who's Do you he? know that movie? No.
0: It's the other guy who almost looks like he wants to be Brad Pitt, but is not. Oh. Memento.
1: Not David Spade. Have you seen that? No.
0: Hey, welcome to the podcast, everybody. I'm here with Mackenzie.
1: Awesome. (laughs) 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 I mean, this is great.
0: Awesome. We are out back at Abbott Square, looking across the beautiful street. We see Trader Joe's, Woodstock's Pizza, and Santa Cruz County Bank. None of which we have any affiliation with.
1: Shameless. (laughs) Shameless
0: plug for Santa Cruz. Come on by. Mackenzie handles educational stuff for us. You do. You don't really have a fancy title.
1: No. In fact, that's been a topic of discussion. Oh, yeah? Yeah.
0: Oh, man. Do you want a fancy title?
1: Have? Yeah, you know, perk.
0: We can cook you up one.
1: Would you like, a, like a C-suite title.
0: I'm not a big title guy, but a lot of people like the titles. Yeah, we could call you head of something. <laughs> yeah. or, um,
1: I don't like labels. Director
0: of <laughs> something. And maybe we throw in like another word like just for fun, like education and innovation.
1: Like chief educational officer
0: chief educational officer the ceo
1: <laughs> <laughs> that works
0: it it totally works it totally works we'll get into what you do in a in a hot second where like what's what's like a little bit of your background let's do origin stories okay you can do this twofold one where did you come from and two how did you end up on the proverbial cat and cloud doorstep.
1: Yeah, I know. It was kind of a wild ride. I never really saw this coming. Um, so I have a background as a high school teacher. And is this close enough?
0: Yeah, that's good. Okay, that's good. Great.
1: I'm having microphone measurement issues. It's perfect. Uh, so, you know, my background is in teaching and education. And I've taught in middle school and high school. And it's interesting how the turn of events happened where i was you know teaching and then left my full-time teaching position and with you know other ideas in mind kind of jumped straight into cat and cloud but didn't really know that this is kind of what i've really been looking for in terms of my vision for like values and uh, philosophies in, in areas of service teaching is a lot like service
0: what made you want to like, start that path down, oh, I'm going to be a high school teacher. I'm going to be a junior high teacher. Was that something that you knew when you were in school? Where are like, yes, I want to teach, and why?
1: Yeah, actually, not at all. I completely rejected it. <laughs> I, I didn't want to be a teacher. It was the last thing on the list.
0: So what happened?
1: So I, I was frustrated with people not knowing certain ways of thinking <laughs> and so, what <laughs> happened was I kind of got launched through an invitation uh, to to help collaborate with a private school art program um, to to integrate tech into their art programs, and that was kind of like a, a really off the cuff student teaching experience. And I thought I might I might dabble in that world a little more, and so I really uh, started thinking about what I would be interested in teaching, and. I couldn't find anything that existed, so I pitched an idea for a class to a local middle school, and they bit, and I taught it for a year.
0: What was the idea?
1: It was uh, design thinking, so you hear that as a buzzword a lot, but those were kinds of those kinds of ideas. I was really passionate um, as myself, as an artist. I felt like that kind of stuff wasn't really accessible, and so I wanted to bring it into places, and the places that were available to me were with you know, tweens. And it was awesome. <laughs> tweens.
0: <laughs> so is design thinking, is that illustrative design or like the creative concept of coming up with designs? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's it's kind of this buzzword that encompasses what I think you find historically in realms like art and design, but it's not necessarily specific to art and design. Okay. Yeah. So for example, the way, you know, the creative, you approach the creative process, it's really valuable to other areas of thought. If you were to approach, say for example, uh, aspects of business or science or technology through the lens of a fine artist, there's a lot of great lessons that carry over.
0: And just to give some more context to you and where you come from, so you weren't gunning to be a teacher, but while you were rejecting the idea of teaching coming out of high school and college and all that stuff, you are an artist in your own right. So you have some paintings. Right. But you also are fluent in things like Illustrator and InDesign and stuff like that. And you worked on some movies?
1: Yeah. So I actually, uh, for a long time, there's a, a local uh, uh, branding strategic branding studio in town, Lincoln Street Studios, and I kind of got taken under the wing of those creatives and just started using, you know, my background in illustration and graphic design and uh, eventually kind of worked into art direction, and so I was really exploring what it would look like to make films for a couple years.
0: What was that one where the kids attack the treehouse or... You oh, worked on that right, one. It's like yes. things exploding. Yes. And, what are they, shooting eggs? Like,
1: we have built a marshmallow blaster, <laughs> like out of an old, like, shop vac. So,
0: so there's, it's a, like a treehouse siege, right? Right. There's children in this treehouse, and they're getting attacked with marshmallows. Right. By other children.
1: Exactly.
0: Hey, oh. Everyone's having a honky time it's out here. It's downtown for you. I like it. Yeah. It makes me feel... It makes me feel alive. (laughs) It really does. My
1: heart's beating now.
0: It's interesting what you said about getting into teaching because people weren't tapping into a certain kind of thinking or a certain way of explaining things. And I think that is one of the reasons that I first made or why I first made like brewing tutorials. Because you you know you're trying to figure out how to do stuff and you look online like, how are people doing things? And you see these really crazy tutorials that are they're either too long you can't understand them there's no flow of information right or they're not like practical or pragmatic at all they're really sciencey they're for the wrong audience I'm right like, whoa someone's missing the mark on education like let's let's figure this out
1: like like there's a missing link here there's
0: a missing link and that got i wasn't trying to be an educator that's for sure I was just like, oh, you know, there's a need here, right? And I have something to offer. Let's go from here. And the people are like, oh, you're okay at explaining stuff. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Never thought about that. Mm-hmm. And it spun. It spun from there. You landing here was really, really interesting because when you got hired, I don't think anybody knew about your secret past of education <laughs> oh, <yeah>. and <laughs> filmmaking and design. At least the outside of the people who had your core like your core interview right because I didn't interview you
1: no no you
0: Jared yeah Jared did so I didn't know anything about you except that Jared told me that he was intimidated by you in the interview
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can be really uh, uh lasered in I suppose <laughs> that was
0: that was the first thing he said he actually said you should talk to Mackenzie she's really I can't remember what the word she used. she's like she's really amazing and really professional and she kind of intimidated me a little bit and i think it would be great for you guys to work together (laughs) which i thought which i thought was rad you have this handful of skills design illustration painting teaching you had regular what the most of the world would consider to be like a real job Mm -hmm. like what made you even apply to work at a coffee shop? That doesn't even make sense.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting how it kind of unfolded for me. I was, I did jump out of a full-time position, you know, kind of like had all the little bells and whistles, but you know, it wasn't fulfilling or I wasn't able to accomplish what I wanted. And so I found myself uh, uh, into Cat and Cloud almost as kind of a, a, a place to, to think in a resting place. And man, did I like, even in the interview with Jared, I knew, I knew that I was kindred to this way of thinking. Um, and so while I was here in this quote unquote resting place, you know, the conversations I was having and, and just, you know, the realization came to mind that I was working with like-minded people and that this was something bigger than, you know, a, a, a periodic time for me. So it's kind of crazy how that unfolded. I never saw it coming.
0: Was how many days a week when you started? Were you working? Were you still teaching at all? Were you doing any part-time stuff, or did you go full on?
1: Yeah. No. I told myself uh, because uh, if you know that what they don't tell you about your your full first year teaching is that it's a brutal experience. It's it. You know, <laughs> there's it's no disclaimer. There's no disclaimer. So get ready to
0: roll hard.
1: You know, or you if you hear it, you hear it softly, and and it's just it was an incredible. I walked away from the year realizing how much leveling up, what a responsibility it is to teach effectively. And so I needed a break to, to evaluate and I wasn't going to teach at all. Um, and so I was actually working like over 30 hours a week for Cat and Cloud when I came
0: here. Full timer. Why do you think people don't talk about how challenging it is in that first year?
1: Well, the retention rate of a first year teacher is pretty low. Really? Yes. And uh, most teachers actually statistically don't make it past their fifth year. At, Interesting. At all. Yeah. And it's for, uh, I think, you know, there's a lot of reasons, but a lot of them are systemic right. in terms of teacher preparation and also the, the school systematics and all of that.
0: Do you think, oh, gosh, that's such a wormhole. Because yeah. in my mind, I've never been in that situation. But the things I can see just looking from the outside in, are one is compensation. Right. Another one is probably some sense of creative freedom and being able to do things in a way where people can have the most benefit and you can shine the brightest and not just the way things are quote unquote supposed to be done.
1: Right. Seems
0: like something that you would end up running your head up against the wall with like a bunch of times.
1: There's all of those things you don't know until you experience just when you're in your when I was in my first year teaching, I I came to the realization I'm going to get where I want to be in about 5 years. Am I okay with that? You know.
0: Which isn't too bad necessarily when you consider how arcs work in professions. If you, you know, if you're a new teacher and you have some skills like 5 years to I wouldn't call it mastery, but settling Mm -hmm. into a job makes sense if you're going to do it for the rest of your life. And if at the end of that five years you come out saying, all right, now I'll be able to do kind of exactly what I want. Or will I be able to have the impact that I want to have in those five years after I'm settled in?
1: Yes. And I think the answer to that could have been, yes, it is worth it. Except what I realized in in comparing my time at Cat and Cloud with uh, my previous experience was... I think the missing link was an aligned value system, an aligned mission system, and not necessarily that values were not present, but just the alignment I realized was so important to my retention anywhere.
0: Yeah. If you're going to spend your life doing something, you need to feel really good about it. And you need to feel like you're kind of on the same page with the people that you're working for and working with, or else no matter how awesome your job is, it can feel like you're just burning time there and just not contributing and you never get that satisfaction that someone should get from an awesome job. Yes. Which I think is why a lot of people transition out of really awesome jobs that pay really good money. They have maybe really awesome retirement lined up because something's not just feeling right. And I don't think a lot of people, you're able to articulate what you weren't getting. And I think a lot of people have a hard time with that. I know I certainly couldn't, if I had to rewind back to the last job that I had to articulate why I wasn't happy, i Wouldn't really have been able to at that time. At the time. I don't know. It just feels wrong. Yeah. It just doesn't feel good. Don't feel right. Not excited to go to work in the morning. Yeah. Don't know why. Yeah. I I think that's powerful.
1: And I think we're really good at ignoring it. I think we can go a long time with the powers of rationalizing.
0: Well, oh my God. Well, (laughs) it's so convenient to ignore it. Yes. (laughs) And yeah, of course you want to rationalize it. Like, yeah, this is great. I, I would do that all the time. I didn't know I was rationalizing, but I was doing it all the time. I was like, okay, I make this much money. This is cool. I'm not stressed out. I can basically take myself out to dinner whenever I want. I'm not, you know, I could go buy a car. Yeah. you know.
1: Yeah. That and seems they're all great. great things. All
0: great things. You know? And then the fear of what happens when you give that away. Cause there's always a dip, you know, you always go down a little bit before you come back up, which I definitely experienced, which I'm sure you've experienced, but. Mm -hmm. yeah it's scary out there
1: it is it is and we're making trade-offs all the time in accordance to our values and i think this whole experience has really helped me to put into words you know what my values are and almost what i'm willing to trade for them it's kind of wild but we're all doing that you know all the time
0: right time and currency for like your own personal well-being yeah. Did you ever think about those things and try to put them in words? Like, were you ever the kind of person? Okay, like here is my list of values, or here are the things that I believe in. Because you strike me as someone who writes a lot of stuff down.
1: You do. You know, I wouldn't be I'm surprised if you person. have
0: multiple lists and journals.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You've probably seen them, like when we work. But yeah, I'm a list person, and it's it's funny. I actually do my 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 fine art, my personal work on this topic because I find that it's really uh, pivotal, and it's I think. If I can make art that can affect an audience or bring value to an audience, that's what I wanna do. And so, I in my work, visually, I talk about that idea of all the invisible currencies we circulate every day.
0: It's like the blockchain of emotions. Crazy.
1: <laughs> <Like that.
0: laughs> it's the blockchain of our soul. <laughs> exactly. What are you willing to trade it for? There's a finite number here. The shit doesn't go on. Forever. Fast forwarding, having you come in, having you plug into retail, working, making coffee. You'd never made coffee before. No. It was just foreign, new experience.
1: New experience. And I remember, you know, I, I remember I think I asked specifically, I'm like, I want you to train me in your ways. I want to know the bar. You know, I want all the things. And I, you know, just being a learner at heart, that was kind of like a big interest.
0: And what made you want to transition? Because you pitched us. Yes. Which is pretty funny. You come on, you're part of the squad, you're working in the cafe, and then you're like, I have an idea. I have an idea for something that you don't know that you need, or you might know that you need, but I I got this skill set thingy. Talk about that for (laughs) a second.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what was amazing for me? I kind of have to like, I kind of have to give a shout out to Jared because You know, I was, I came in and our interview was like, like this golden flow. And I just thought I found like a really great place with amazing people and minds to be in. And, but Jared kind of planted the seed of, you know, hey, you've got a lot going on. You know, if there's anything rattling around in your mind, go ahead and like pitch it to us. And I, and that planted the seed of, wait a minute, you know, I have that opportunity and I have a really receptive leadership to listen to my ideas and kind of my background, the way I've gotten work for the past several years, I've just been pitching to everyone, you know, and, (laughs) and and people that are receptive, that was like the biggest, you know, opportunity for me.
0: And it's hard to pitch because you're kind of putting yourself out there just on this wire, ready to get knocked off. Oh yeah. You know, and it's, it's tricky from our perspective too, because there's there's always two forces that are kind of working against each other. On one end, there's the force of certain people have special skills, like everyone that works in your organization that works with you has some undiscovered talent that you don't know about. And most of the time, that talent can be used to add value to the organization, and that's awesome. And I think it's cool to tap into those things because I think once you give people a taste of that freedom. And once you allow people to use the skills that are special to them, you get to see like what the best version of that person is. Right. Right. Like the McKenzie that I'm getting to know now, it's like a much different McKenzie than I knew before. I I, like, you know, I get to see you light up when you're working on things that you're excited about or like you're bringing ideas to the table or, you know, executing on ideas that I have and bringing them back. Like, look what I made. And like, that's sick. Yeah, And then the other side of that is, okay, that's amazing. That's important. There's an ad value there. How do you balance that with just the hard line of money in a new small business and how does that work? And you have to find that balancing act and be like, okay. Because, yeah, you know, I wish I could pay everyone what they're worth. There's so many people on our staff that have so many skills. And I do believe it's that crazy. in time, all of those things will be well rewarded with both money and other things that are more intangibles, which are just, if not more important for mm-hmm. the long term, as long yeah. as basic needs are being met, you know? Yeah. Um, but it was cool. It really forced us to figure, figure that out and figure out what that looked like and come to uh, I don't know, like, okay, we're gonna add this position. This totally makes sense.
1: Yeah, it, it was kind of interesting how uh, just being a part of that kind of first time, like anomaly, being that anomaly in a way.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, it was great. I mean, it definitely broke the ice and paved the way for a lot of other people who are now kind of doing uh, jobs outside of the cafe and our roastery. And there's a small yeah. handful of those little teams that are operating. And I think it's it's really cool. It helped us figure out how do you integrate a position? you know, How do you classify a position? Who do they report to? How does it work? How does the management work? Yeah. So now you have so many initiatives. So the biggest value that I think you've added to our organization, this is just me like going out on a freaking, limb. just on a tangent limb, <laughs> wire, whatever right now is being able to take the concepts, the ideas that we have, and then communicate those in a way where everyone can understand. The example that I'll give is the first biggest project that we worked on, which was revamping our orientation, mm-hmm. which there's content inside my head and there's content in Jared's head and there's you know, ideas in Charles's head. And basically we're delivering that through an orientation via you know, a slideshow or like, okay, cool. Here's something that we think, we'll make a slide about it and talk about it. But it was kind of, it was really whimsical. And every orientation was a little bit different than every other orientation. Then there was a lot of stuff that was just tribal knowledge. And there were a lot of things that people probably weren't getting because people learn, not everybody learns in the same way. Right. You know, not everybody's going to pick up on the same thing. Something that might be completely obvious to me and I'm, you know, speaking it in this really eloquent way and it sounds really nice. And the visual learner's like, what do you, I don't get what you're yeah. saying. Let me like, see it. Can I see it? Can we do an activity? You know, can we have some bonding time?
1: Let me feel it.
0: Let me feel it, right. Taking all of that stuff, one, making it really pretty because mm-hmm. my slideshow kind of sucked. <laughs> it was fine.
1: Yeah. It was fine. It was all right.
0: <laughs> it was above average, right? <laughs> but it wasn't great.
1: Solid B area.
0: A solid B, yeah. Solid B minus. <laughs> Making it really pretty and then adding things to where different kind of people can pick up on things. What like what is your thought process when you're looking at a piece of material that you know you need to tweak? Where do you start?
1: Yeah. Um that's a great question. And I would say you start with the end. You start with the end goal in mind. And whenever you're making an educational uh, uh, material, when you're building something that's going to uh, bring a learner through a concept that you want them to understand and eventually apply and take ownership over, it's best to start with your ultimate goal in mind and work backwards. And I think that's the way we approach orientation was taking the mission, the vision, and the values of the company, and then working backwards into now, how are we going to convey this? What goes first, second, third? What is the arc of the overall conversation going to be? And that's where you start. And then you can almost like build up a skeleton and really start to uh, flesh it out after that.
0: When you say arc, do you think about it in the same way that you'd kind of think about a movie or a screenplay or a story or?
1: That's the one. Yeah, the, the timeless, uh, the arc you see almost everywhere is that arc of a narrative, you know, where it has a, a beginning, there's a problem to be solved, there's building tension, there's a climax, a, revolu- uh, a resolution and a conclusion. And you kind of see that in the strongest stories Uh, It really doesn't go anywhere.
0: One thing that this reminded me of, which was so great, working with you, we can communicate by drawing pictures and little graphs, (laughs) which is like the coolest thing ever. (laughs) The arc made me think about it. Because my, I, something I got from my dad, he used to do that to me all the time. And a lot of times I'll try to do that with other people and they just kind of look at the paper and they're like, what are you saying to What is to caveman
1: me? symbol? What does this mean? <laughs>
0: but it's great because you'll add to it. You can take it different ways. And just something like a line, you know, going a certain direction can be so powerful if you're on that same zone and you know what you're talking about. Caroline, yeah, good morning. Yeah,
1: no, definitely. That was something that, I knew this is going to be a good working partnership because I draw when I struggle for words. And so I'll just like draw in, in hopes, in desperate, desperation that someone will get the drawing more than my words. Right. And then just being able to like ping pong off of graphics and visually communicating that way, I think is uh, a really beneficial way of uh, interfacing.
0: With a project like that, how do you know when it's done?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, you could probably answer that best, right? What What do you say?
0: I don't know. I mean... I, you
1: say finished is better than done.
0: That's... Yeah. Or,
1: or how do you... What do you say?
0: Oh, man. You're putting me on the say, spot and I you forgot. You say
1: done is better than perfect.
0: Done is better than perfect. Yeah. Yeah. There's a bunch of ways you could say that. Like, um, uh, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Right. Is one of those things. Or, yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. a big fan of implementation. I just wanted to hear what you had to say because... Something like that, you could work on it for the rest of your life.
1: Yeah, um, you really you really could. And actually, that's something they talk about in educational training is, you know, the, the biggest, uh, I think the biggest struggle for the effective, the passionate, the invested teacher is time. Because you really can plan an entire lesson that is supposed to be an hour. You can spend nine on it. And no one has that. And so you really have to uh, get acquainted with, uh, good being enough and then over time refining.
0: Right. I think that's the key is over time refining because education is always moving. It's like this living, breathing thing. And it's not like you have one shot. You have one shot to get core concepts down, to get people in the door, to get them to understand the basics of what they're doing, make them feel comfortable and empowered. And then there's all these little small touch points for the rest of, you know, their existence with your organization or your relationship or whatever it may be. And I think that is one of the things that a lot of people forget is people think everything lives and dies, like, in the classroom. Right. Like, oh, you had a class on how to be a barista or, oh, you had, like, a processing class and, like, cool, you're done with that now and then let's go back to work and not realizing that, hey... Every time I see you, there's an opportunity for a new lesson. Every time we interact, we can teach each other something. And for some people, we talked about this. It's like opening up that door and letting them know to where if people have a problem or a challenge or an issue, just kind of framing it like, oh, cool, this is like a really good opportunity for a lesson. And then, boom, okay, all of a sudden that person knows that we're going to have a learning moment. They're kind of opening opening the door of their mind to that and just not neglecting that. You know, it's so easy to go through every work day and just, like, get it done. Yeah. Got to get to five o'clock or whatever your end of the day is. And I, yeah, I wish people wouldn't do that.
1: <laughs> you know, there's this activity uh, that I've done with students, and it's it's something that I pulled from uh, really, like, great examples that I've uh, seen. But, like, almost going on a, on a safari in your own familiar space so, like, walking through your space pretending that it's a foreign land and making yourself take note of all the things that you miss because they're so normal or or uh, usual to you and just taking inventory that there is learning going on all the time if you have the eyes to see it.
0: So real. I like that, having a safari in your own space. Yeah,
1: huh. like a familiar safari. You
0: could have a safari day. Yeah. How do you prep for a safari day? How do you know that you're going to you know intentionally see new things is there a
1: well it's all about reframing okay and that's like you know i want to say that's a buzzword maybe in education or i'm trying to make <laughs> a buzzword <laughs> but it's all about the way you you approach uh, something so you know if you're walking even through our cafe and you prime yourself with the lens of okay I imagine this is uncharted territory. This is a jungle. What kind of things are going to stick out to me? What is interesting about this space? And it's kind of just a fun way to kind of reframe yourself as to approaching problems with unique solutions you might have overlooked.
0: That's pretty interesting. We should do that. Yeah. It'd be so good. (laughs) It'd be interesting to get everyone doing a safari through one of the cafes and kind of Journal it along the way, almost like stream of consciousness, and then read what everybody what everybody saw.
1: Oh, yeah. No, that would be rich. There's probably
0: some cool ideas for some weird places to improve with something like that. Totally. You know?
1: Totally. Seeing
0: the new thing. So when we give orientation, and I'm just harping on orientation because it was the first thing that we broke off and is a really big project, and then implemented it, and you're In the back and you're taking notes from everything to, you know, how people were receiving it. What was the delivery like? How is that process for you? Is it nerve wracking or is it fun or?
1: Yeah, well, at first I'm it's in a way I'm kind of like auditing my own work. But then also, you know, like having a reverence like for the project and the people, it's almost, you know, it. you just you want to be. I just wanted to be like the biggest cheerleader ever. Like just seeing it happen and and watching it unfold, that was like a really unique experience. And and watching something almost like you make something and then you watch it come alive is uh you know, that's kind of I think the the people that teach, that's what keeps you there. Is it's a really um an experience you can't get anywhere else. It's amazing.
0: It's interesting to like what was the payoff for you with that one? What was What let you know that you were on the right track and doing a good job with a piece of material like that?
1: That there was buy-in from the team. Um, That the team bought in and believed in it. And even the times where I was insecure about the concept or even going out on a limb to be vulnerable with an idea, I was completely backed. And if there was ever an obstacle in the way, it was addressed directly. And it was just a really safe space to try out a big idea.
0: Yeah. So much positive feedback, which is amazing. The team was just kind of, kind of blown away. Cause every, every I don't know how many orientations have we done? Jeez. So many.
1: Yeah. It's how It's kind of
0: nuts. I'm trying to think since the beginning, oh gosh, more than any other year and a half old company. That's for sure. We're, right. kind, of, we're kind of obsessive about it, which is great, but it changes a little bit every time. And then, that when we rolled out the the whole new everything and then you know for everyone listening this the slideshow or whatever we had up on the board that's just a piece of it there's two big pieces of literature that go with it so one is the employee handbook which is a handbook that has all of our core ideas core concepts a couple activities lots of drawing and a lot of space for notes so yep. they can follow along if they want in the moment or it can be a reference guide for later that you designed and put together and then the second piece of material is the teacher's edition or the instructor's edition of that which has all of that plus little tips and tricks for education plus how do you prep for this whole thing starting as far back as what do you do a week before you have orientation what do you do the night before orientation mm. what do you do the night of and mm-hmm. like, how do you make sure that you're setting yourself and everybody else up to have the best educational experience. So it's much more than just, oh, we made a new PowerPoint or something. It's just, I'm really excited about it. I think it's cool. It's something that I always wanted to have and to see education come to life is just like this weird little, it's this weird dream come true and I, I just fucking, I don't even know what to say. I think people don't take this shit seriously enough. You know, they think they're like, oh, I made a book or I made a presentation. That's great. Let's say you have that presentation, you give it to 10 different people, and how are they going to give that presentation? You know, Just because there's the same words or the same pictures doesn't mean everyone's gonna get the same thing out of it. Right. You need to invest a ton of time and energy into prep and a ton of time and energy into making sure that this thing is scalable and this thing is consistent, and that just doesn't happen. It's like education is alive, you know what I mean? Do
1: (laughs) you hear all those teachers out there, do you hear that prep being validated the
0: prep. <laughs> what was your prep time? You were telling me how long it takes to prep and teach your one-day-a-week class that you do.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, right now I'm teaching one course, and it's a three-hour course. And I probably spend about six hours before the class preparing. And that's just me. That's um, that's almost a luxury. Uh, most teachers, that's that's unheard of. And the, the ratio, I remember um, uh, talking about this with uh, a principal uh, at, uh, at one point, the, the ratio of preparation to teaching is uh, for a successful class experience is usually about three to one. So however long your class is, multiply that by three and that's how long you should be prepping.
0: That's surprisingly exactly the same as what was the going rate for like uh, post-production with basic video editing. Oh really? Like for every hour of footage you have, it'll probably take roughly three hours to edit and organize that. I, w- I actually think that it's more if you're doing something really intense. But yeah, it's a yeah. ton of time.
1: It's a ton of time, and it's the same. Uh, hey Sam.
0: Yo. <laughs> it's it's
1: it's the same. Going back to that design thinking, right? And um, I have to I have to put the. A, Uh, credit toward uh, the Stanford D School. That's really kind of their uh, mantra. But uh, design thinking, what unites both of those things, video editing and teaching, is that that thought process, that design process where you're refining, iterating, generating ideas, and it's almost this cyclical process where the preparation time is so crucial to the output.
0: Yeah, I guess if everybody could take away one thing, what I'm really trying to say is that preparation time, it's not optional.
1: No, it's not. <laughs> off
0: the cuff. It's, if you want to have a successful educational experience, the prep time is not optional.
1: And if you want off the cuff, you have to plan for off the cuff. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. Even, yeah, even something like that. You got to know that you're going into it like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, gosh, that's so, Yeah. that's so legit. So what's, what is the project right now that you're the most excited about?
1: Well, I'm, I'm really excited to have my hands in a, s- a couple different cookie jars. Um, specifically, working on the uh, working on building a uh, leadership year long course with Cat and Cloud, um, with Cat and Cloud leadership, and and kind of building that out and envisioning what that's going to look like, and supporting the vision of the leadership team into making that a reality is a really exciting uh, opportunity
0: to be part of right now. And that'll be eight. Modules slash classes. Yeah. Slash units.
1: Eight yeah, eight classes uh that all fall under the context of one general course, which is, you know, defining and what what is leadership and and, uh what does it look like at Cat and Cloud.
0: And you have some smaller like design based projects as well too.
1: Yeah. So exciting in terms of uh coffee education, as a learner it's a really cool place to geek out, but you know, uh, anything from uh, coffee cupping and that whole educational process and how you would lay that out for a learner uh, to, you know, informational material for demonstrating the coffee aging process. And when your coffee is at the peak time to consume, you know, those those kinds of educational materials are what are in the works. That's really fun stuff.
0: You're on track to have like the hottest coffee education of anybody around
1: so hot right now
0: because you get initial access to these concepts that were kicking around like how do we teach this and then we hit the ball back and forth a few times and by the end of that even though you haven't been a barista for a length of time you're really understanding how these things work on a deep level and that's kind of cool to get get really intimate with it.
1: It's interesting. It's, it's again, the, the trajectory could not have um, been foreseen. It's kind of just all kind of fell into place.
0: So weird.
1: Yeah, it is. I know, I think it's weird too. <laughs> it's
0: super weird. I, I like it though, it feels good. It's yeah. one of those things where, now I'm just like, man, what? how, how did it work before?
1: Yeah. Do you know?
0: Something that's really good that just didn't exist and now it exists and you're like, oh. Yeah, this is just how it is.
1: You know, I wonder how that's, uh, how inventors feel in that, in that same regard. Like, p- how did we exist without this light bulb?
0: They're probably tripping, yeah. Just don't take the light bulb for granted, everybody. <laughs> Someone worked really hard on that, yeah. okay? Yeah. It's, it's real. If you had to leave everyone with, like, one piece of advice for any educator, what would it be?
1: Oh, that's, um, that's tough, but I'll answer it. I think maybe I'll go off of what my personal discoveries have been as of late, but I think it's uh, approaching education, it's first and foremost uh, a service. It's a service to the learners entrusted to you. And uh, to encounter it as that kind of high responsibility, so I think in the in uh, the ultimate mode of sophistication of an educator
0: Sonny's <laughs> yelling at us right now. who is a customer of us Sorry. Oh, that's awesome. He thought we were freestyling <laughs> <laughs> we could be
1: no, but um i I suppose the 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 maturity of an educator is when you start seeing yourself as a guide and, and, uh, and uh, a, an assistant to discovery and how that's unique for each individual learner that you're dealing with.
0: Assistant to discovery. Yeah. You should probably trademark that.
1: You know, I, I, I didn't come up with that. I, I think in the literature of, of life, that's where I kind of came up with that term.
0: the literature of life yeah that was great man that it was cool thank you for sitting down
1: oh my gosh and talking
0: about this stuff there's not a lot of people that want to talk about education you know it's kind Mm -hmm. of like this rare thing where you get to engage with someone who who gets it Mm -hmm. and you definitely get it and hopefully everyone out there listening can get just a little bit more of it you know bite off like a neat little chunk and watch people get way more excited right right before your eyes.
1: Yeah, totally. Again, I never thought I'd be a teacher, and now it's, you know, I just see the, the high value of it myself. It's, like, awesome.
0: And if you're in a position of power, like, you're the boss, and, you know, you're a teacher, you're an educator, whether you want to be or not. Yeah. You have that responsibility. So do your best to make good on it, you know? Just take one little step every day, one bigger step. I don't know what else to say. That's the Cat and Cloud Coffee podcast. We're on the steps. We're downtown. Sorry for the horns. Sorry for the trucks. This is Mackenzie Laird. Um, Maybe you say goodbye.
1: Goodbye. Peace. (laughs)